everybody welcome to the 232nd edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage man i woke up to a bunch of texts from you and anise and i was like oh shit what happened and then uh, a little later after i woke up some uh, major trades have happened so today has been a very uh bad day for the productivity but very interesting all the same I mean, trade deadline day is always chaos. It was such a quiet deadline. Monday, Tuesday, even Wednesday, nothing. Crickets. Wednesday night, nothing. I mean, I'm checking my phone. I, I had to wake up in the middle of the night to feed the cats. Like two, three, four, five, whatever time I'm checking. Like, no, no notifications. Okay, so I, I get up and all of a sudden, you know, you start hearing the rumors come through. The Blazers are in talks. Aaron Gordon is no longer an option. We get that early in the day. Then it's, oh, maybe it's Lowry Markinen. They're having talks with Gary Trent Jr. With the Chicago Bulls, the Orlando Magic start to just nuclear blow everything up. And maybe that's what the whole league was waiting on. They move Fournier to Boston. They move Aaron Gordon all the way out to Denver. And then they make, I think, an, an interesting move. They send Vucevic to Chicago. Chicago's kind of going all in. So you you see that start to happen. Like, okay, something's got to happen. Other teams in the West are getting better. And I tweeted this out from the Holy Backboard account while watching the Woj and Low trade deadline special yesterday afternoon. And they kind of casually said, be on the lookout for Portland. They might be in the rental market. And they kind of threw out maybe Victor Oladipo or Norman Powell. And that Gary Trent Jr. is really our, our best realistic trade ship that we were throwing out there, which is what we've been saying. They didn't specifically tie the two together, but you could kind of see, okay, maybe this is what, what Neil Olshea was thinking. And in the end, this is from Bobby Marks. He's got, he's got the money. He's ESPN's money, man. Portland sends Gary Trent Jr. And Rodney hood to the Toronto Raptors for Norman Powell. Um, Not only does Portland now, move below the tax line, $2.7 million. We now have two open roster spots and we generated a $1.7 million trade exception. I would be very hesitant um, to say that this would be the only move that Portland is going to do. I think the additional roster spot, I think they're going to be active on the buyout market, which who knows when that news is going to come down. So let's just take this trade at face value uh, Sage, what, you, what were your initial thoughts on this one? Because it's kind of hard for me to, to process. In terms of what we gave up, you know, you have to do some deep digging on uh, Norman Powell, but I think that he and Gary Trent are very comparable players. So we might have improved, but then we, if if we wanted to get Norm norm powell back it's gonna be more costly but i i think that those two players are very similar they both are great shooters norman powell the thing i love about him because i've watched a bunch of toronto this year because of dfs or not you know florida is that he is a willing driver so when the ball gets passed to him he's gonna go to the basket if he can't get that that shot off so 
in that I really like the Norman Powell uh, addition. It's just, you know, but it is a better player for now, um, even though it may be a rental. Yeah, I think I'm reserving to hold judgment on this trade. Like if this was a dribble, pass, or shoot, I definitely have to dribble this because I need to see how it plays out in in the offseason. Clearly, with what we heard from Gary Trent Jr. being, in, being, being mentioned in so many r- rumors was – the team did not view him as a long-term asset alongside Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. They, they knew he was going to command a fairly large salary this offseason, especially with so many of the big 2021 free agents taking their name off the board and signing extensions with their current teams. So that a lot of teams were, were gunning for this summer and clearing cap. Well, now they have a bunch of money to throw out restricted free agents. And Portland did definitely didn't want to lose him for nothing. Norman Powell is about five, five to six years older. He's turning 28 years old in May. He's definitely a more polished player at the moment. He currently has a player option right now. Um, He's making $10.9 million this year. He has an $11.6 million player option next season, it is highly unlikely that he opts into that player option. So the, the rental fear it is there. The, the one solace you have as a Trailblazer fan is that Portland has his bird rights. We can offer him more than any other team. Portland, basically from the beginning of, of the season, has said they will not go into the luxury tax this year, but they definitely want to uh, make sure they are not a repeat offender which gives them the ability to go into the tax this offseason, which 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 they will need to do. They've got a lot of players. Um, you know, Dame and CJ's contracts really jump up a bit. And so with Norman Powell, there's a lot to there's there's a lot to how do I put it to dive into. He is a six four shooting guard, much like Gary Trent Jr. So on a surface level, you you have to think. Well, if Gary Trent couldn't play alongside Damon CJ, can Norman Powell? I mean, that's to be determined. He he did succeed playing alongside a smaller backcourt in Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. However, the Toronto duo, I would say, is much stronger defensively than the Portland duo. You also have to look at, yes, Powell is about 6'4", but he has a 6'11 wingspan. So that allows you to play uh, against much bigger defenders, get into the passing lanes, and Norman Powell just he, – he's a better player. He does things better than Gary Trent Jr. right now. That doesn't mean that Gary Trent Jr. one day won't be the better player. But if you're looking at a win-now move to somebody who fits more with, with Dame's uh, window, this is it. I mean, I, I believe I've seen uh, on Twitter he's he attacks the ball or he attacks the rim much more often Um, He's averaging almost four free throw attempts per game. That's more than CJ McCollum. And if you want to look for a player, like I personally haven't seen Norman Powell play a lot. The Raptors just aren't on TV, but following message boards of general fans and just seeing statistics, Norman Powell has been having probably a top five to top 10 shooting guard season. I mean, he, especially once the calendar flipped to February. So if you look at his February splits, 14 games, he shot 53% from the field, 46% from three, 95 from the line. In 33 minutes, he's getting you 22 points, four rebounds, two assists. So far in March, those numbers have increased. 
35 minutes. He's getting 26 points per game, still at three rebounds, still two assists, still shooting 45% from three and 54% from the field. Um, Those are big time numbers. And when you get a shooter like Norman Powell, like I know Gary Trent really developed a reputation as a knockdown shooter in the bubble. And he most, most uh, certainly did. Norman Powell is a better shooter. Um, if you follow Kirk Goldsberry on Twitter, he put out a graphic that really shows uh, how deadly Norman Powell is and where he his hot zones are. Like he's shooting 57 and 49% from the corner, corner three, 45% from the top of the arc. Um, Kirk mentions that he has made 44% of 269 attempts from downtown. Only Joe Ingles and Joe Harris have been more accurate this season. You factor that in with CJ's career year from the three-point line and Dame's ability to get hot, that that really opens up the floor for Lillard, especially in playoff situations. So if Powell is able to, the key to this trade is not really even next year. If we're looking just this year, if Powell can play defensively alongside Dame and CJ, this is a huge win now move for the trailblazers. Like he's really taken his game to the next level. He's won a championship in Toronto. That is, that is a great organization. I'd argue it's probably San Antonio of the East. You want to get players from that organization. Uh, Masai Ujiri is a great GM. Nick nurse was a great coach. Dwayne Casey was a great coach before him. He's played alongside a lot of winning basketball players, you know, Lowry, Van Vliet, Ibaka, Gasol, Leonard, like, he's not going to be a player who's going to come in and kind of dick around. Like I know a lot of people love Gary's grit and the chip on his shoulder, you know, Norm Powell, he wasn't highly regarded coming into the draft at UCLA. Like he's had to work his way out the mud as well. And I think he's going to fit in really well with this blazer team. I love that he's able to put the ball on the floor and get to the basket. You know, I was watching some highlights before we did this podcast. He is a big, strong body who can, you know, make some things happen. So you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he can can fit into this Blazer roster, and if and if it works, I, that that's fantastic because then you get him. You know, maybe you sign him to an extension or you sign him in free agency. But I, I think getting something for Gary Trent Jr. when, in your eyes, you didn't think it was going to work long term, shows some self awareness on on the Blazers front office that I don't think they've necessarily had in the past. Yeah, and it, it, yeah, it definitely shows the self awareness, and you know Norman Powell and and Gary have, have had that similar arc. But the thing that Norman's figured out this year is how to be consistently good, consistently good every game, because that was the thing he struggled with a lot in his career. But now it he's scoring and shooting at at a sustainable rate, and you look at those stats, and some of those stats are when. Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet and Joji Ananubi were out, but he kept consistently producing when they came back. That shows a level of skill that Gary hasn't been able to attain yet. Not saying that he won't, but for this, this team right now, having a guy that can consistently play and, you know, is looking to improve is always, is always going to be the thing we have to go for with uh, CJ and Dame being a little older. It's going to be good. And I wonder, is he going to be the starting three now because of his long wingspan and because of winning basketball? Do you think DJJ is going to be the sixth man? Or do you think Norman will be the sixth man? Because he's he's done that before. 
So it's not like a complete shock to his system. He could he could help run offense in that second unit. So where do you think his role will be in this uh, Blazers team for the next, you know, f- hopefully 40-plus games? I think you make a move like this. You, you, I, I would personally start him. I don't know what Neil O'Shea wants to do. I think the team is just scraping the surface of how to function with Derek Jones Jr. on the floor. We saw against the, the Brooklyn Nets, we finally found him for, for some blobs. That was the good. The bad was Brooklyn double teamed Dame pretty heavily. And we also saw Derek Jones shoot eight to nine three pointers, mostly wide open. And the form isn't there. He doesn't get a lot of lift on his shots. Uh, it's not a consistent release. Comes off the side of the rim quite a few times. He, he hit one. And that was a huge reason why we lost the game. Not the only reason, but that, that therein lies the dynamic between Neil Olshay and Terry Stotts. And that's something I, I've been thinking about for probably since that game is we've been talking about improving the defense. Derek Jones does that, but are, are Neil and Terry really on the same page because the way we utilize DJ isn't tailor made for Terry Stott's offense. So is that, is that on Terry for not utilizing Derek or is that on Neil for not getting a player who's better served sitting in the corner waiting to, to launch threes? Thankfully, Norman Powell plays good defense can cut to the basket, can take the ball to the basket, can hit open three. So it's kind of like a win-win for both Olshay and Stotts. So with all that said, I think you have to start him. Um, you have to see what you have. He's he's a better player than Derek Jones. And it doesn't mean that you can't play, play DJ. I think if anything, it opens up minutes for Nasir Little, uh, moving, moving Rodney. Yeah. Moving Rodney hood. Um, you really get those, those three minutes. So can Derek play some two and he's, he's not really shooting well enough to play two or three. I mean, he's a, he's a wing. I mean, let's kind of cut, cut the shooting guard, small forward bullshit. It's positionless basketball. You're either a post, a wing or or a lead guard. I think you can play DJ alongside, you know, CJ or Dame in the backcourt. Nasir has shown that his three point shot is improving enough. But you go out and you make this move for one of the hottest players in the league. I'd be, and he's performing as a starter, thirty plus minutes a night. He's performing well as a starter. I, I wouldn't rock his boat rather than worrying about rocking Portland's boat. Like we're we're not good enough right now, Sage. We we've seen these past two games. You lose by forty to the Mavericks, which was the worst home loss in franchise history, and then you just blow a, a completely winnable game against the the Brooklyn Nets without Kyrie Irving and James Harden. This team needs a kick in the ass. I don't think that the starting unit, even you know, down the road when Nurk gets back, is going to get it done. Norman Powell's a really good player, and I would love for him to be able to showcase that to the fan base. I would start him. Uh, what, what about you? Definitely start him. I think that he's, you know, in 2K or in Madden, when you make a, a roster move, there's a thing that says scheme fit. He is a scheme fit for this, this team. He's going to get into this roster or this this uh, scheme, learn it, and be able to master it rather, relatively quickly. He knows how to play this game, and I, I think that for our offense and defense, I, I think that it's the right move to let Norman be the smart start, starting small forward. It just it, it just makes too much sense to uh, keep uh, to let the hottest shooter in the league shoot, you know, and. Dude, I think that it's going to he's going to be helpful in the playoff 
uh, playoffs because when teams double Dame or CJ, they can pass it to Norman and he drives it eight times a game. He knows how to get to the lane, get some free throws, get get points. I think that it's a really nice playoff move as well. So I'm very excited to see Norman Powell in a uh, Portland Trailblazers jersey. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I think that, you know, everyone loves Gary, but learn a little bit about Norman Powell. I think he'll be one of those favorite players as well. Like hardworking, has a chip on his shoulder. I think that Norman Powell is going to be a very uh, popular player. Don't also uh, sleep on the fact that if Powell comes in and produces in Portland, maybe falls short, there's still potential they could look to move CJ McCollum in the offseason. I'm not saying they will or they should, but Norman Powell gives you, a, I think, a legit top 10 shooting guard who can slide right in there next to Dame and then maybe use CJ, who was a better player, a better trade ship, a better prospect, to maybe go out and get forward help. So th- that, that could be something. We saw what Dame and Gary could do together. Gary's just not there yet. And that doesn't, that's not a knock on him. That's more of, okay, we need to align ourselves with, with Lillard's timeline and get someone who's just, just a better ball player. And I think it's a, it's honestly, it's a great trade for both teams because you look at Rodney hood, the Achilles robbed him of so much. And I was really thankful the Blazers organization did right by him and they gave him his salary boost and he's able to, go from $6 million to $10 million. Yes, his contract isn't guaranteed for next year, but but it might be um, for the Toronto Raptors who really had a, had a fire sale and they're kind of hitting that, that reset button. So hopefully he gets, A, either a chance to prove himself. So if Toronto does let him go, he has more tape on him. Or B, Toronto's like, hey, we like what we have. We'll, we'll bring you back for $10 million, if anything. And we saw what the Heat did with Myers Leonard in the offseason is they gave him that $10 million contract to be able to use in trades. You know, it didn't quite work out because Myers is a moron. But, you know, those those $10 million contracts are very valuable to go out and get starting level players. So um, I'm glad Hoodie's going to get more of an opportunity. And I'm really glad for Gary Trent. He gets to go there and I hope he, he gets to go into that starting rotation. You know, the Toronto Raptors are keeping Kyle Lowry and they have Fred Van Vliet there. So it would be a bit of a bummer if he goes in there and is a sixth man again, but you know, Toronto's a great landing spot for him. They're a team that's won a championship. They don't really feel the pressure that they have to continue on that path that they're, they have uh, front office manage, management that knows when it's okay to hit the reset button, when it's okay to, to retool. I think they're going to get themselves a, a nice 10 year player out of Gary Trent and I think it's one of those trades where you really look like I really like it for for both teams. I think Gary Trent, I mean, there's going to be games where he doesn't start, but I think there's going to be more games where that he does start because Toronto likes putting Pascal Siakam at the five for certain matchups where it isn't like a physical center. So in the finesse lineup, it could be uh, Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Elite, Gary, OG, and then Pascal. So I think he's going to be a spot starter, and I think he's going to have a pretty big role with this team and giving him a chance at one of the best organizations in basketball. We did right by both both of those players, and honestly, good luck to both of them. I think they have a chance to get minutes because you saw how many trades that the Raptors made in the last 10 minutes 
I, I thought it was to to get that uh, Kyle Lowry trade done. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But now the Raptors are kind of at a loss for active bodies. Um, are you seeing the LaMarcus Aldridge to the Heat rumors after his buyout as well? Yeah, so I think that's the the next way we pivot is Portland now has two open roster spots and they, they clearly need just more veteran help, whether that's at the backup one or just another forward who can come in and play defense, another three and D type of player. Uh, LaMarcus, so I watched the, the Woj and Low deadline special yesterday and I even listened to Woj. He was in, uh, if you're on Twitter and you follow Rob Perez, he had Woj, Windhorst, and uh, Bobby Marks all on this uh, Twitter spaces. So they were just like, it was like a radio, live radio feed. And what Woj mentioned was when LaMarcus was in free agency in 2015, he took a last minute meeting from Pat Riley and the Miami Heat. They didn't have money at the time. Riley was trying to convince him to take a one-year deal with Portland and then sign with the Heat the next year, which technically isn't legal, but it's nothing you can do about it now. Well, Marcus came away very impressed with Pat Riley. And from Woj's um, anecdote of that, it led LaMarcus to be even more firm in his commitment to go to go to San Antonio. He was you know, thinking about possibly going to Phoenix to be the man. If we all remember, they signed Tyson Chandler and brought in Chandler into that presentation pitch. So he thought, no, I'm going to go to a winning organization. So I think he really values what the Miami Heat are doing he's definitely a much better fit in Miami where he can back up Bam Adebayo. Um, I, I, I think that's where he will end up. Um, I don't think he's going, he might take a call from Portland, but you know, we haven't even got to the news that Yusuf Nurkic is playing this Friday. So you have Nurkic, you have Ennis Kander, who's the best backup big in the game. You've got Covington and Carmelo. You've got Covington and Carmelo Anthony at the four. Um, Nasir can even slide over to play some four for you. I, I don't understand that the want or need for LaMarcus in Portland, there's no minutes. There's no role. It's, it's not a great fit. He's not a good defender. He's not a good ball movement player. He's, he's, he's a worse version. He's a taller, worse version of Carmelo Anthony. So I, I hope he, you know, finds his piece wherever he needs to do it. I, I don't think Portland's the, the, the right landing spot for him, but I would be on the lookout if you're a Blazer fan in the next 48 hours Players that that could get bought out. You're looking at maybe an Austin Rivers who just got dealt to Oklahoma City, Otto Porter Jr. who got moved to uh, the Orlando Magic. I mean, th- there are going to be some Jabari Parker just got Jab- released. I mean, yeah, I mean that that's someone who I would stay far away from. But yeah, you know, Andre Drummond's looking to be bought out as well. I'm not saying for Portland, but you're going to get it's it's going to be a really big buyout market. JJ Redick could possibly get bought out. I don't think anything materialized. Did that finally materialize? Yeah, so it was uh, JJ and Nico Melli for uh, James Johnson, uh, my boy. Uh, shit, what's my boy's name? Wes Wundu. I didn't need to look it up. I knew what, what. And then a second. So he's off the market. So there's going to be competition for these these players. Um, the so Andre Drummond sweet tape is going to be real. Absolutely. So um, John Wall got bought out as well. Did he really? Yes. Damn. (laughs) Houston's going to (laughs) suck. So we went through a lot of information there. Uh, Let's kind of break it down one by one. Sage, 
who are your buyout targets? Let's talk about the buyout for a little bit before before we move on to, you know, there's, there's just so many things to cover. So let, let's talk about buyout. Who do you like in the buyout market for Portland specifically? I mean, I've, I think we've talked about him for two weeks in a row. Austin Rivers would be a great backup point guard for us. Um, you know, maybe some of those Knicks shooters that aren't getting run. Um, it's a damn shame George Hill got traded, but I think that that's a really good pickup for Philly. Uh, I'm, I'm on that Austin Rivers bandwagon and maybe, maybe, uh, you know, I kind of want to give Norman and, and, uh, and Nasir all the minutes that they can handle. So I don't know if we need another wing because I want to see what Nasir can do with extended run, but I would definitely be interested in a guard like Austin Rivers. 100%. If Otto Porter Jr. gets bought out too, I think that's, that's a veteran player who can come in and, and hit shots. Uh, but yeah, I think Rivers would be great. There's there's going to be someone out of the blue. Uh, I just, I kind of feel it. We have two spots open with, with no trades left to make. And I don't think there's really a whole lot of free agents on the market. So um, we may be back with another buyout edition of the Holy Backboard. But Sage, let, let's move on to other blazer news i mean yusuf nurkic announcing that he's coming back on friday that's you know after two pretty bad losses that's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel that the blazers now have 30 35 games to kind of get their shit together before they make a playoff push you know dame has mentioned just just get a top six seed play seating's not going to matter fans aren't really going to make a bit a big difference so just get a top six seed you've got the lakers they're banged up. LeBron's just announced today out about four to six more weeks. It's there. I mean, there is room to move up or at least stay in the top six. What do you expect from Nurkic, who has been out for almost nine, ten weeks? You know, since it's a – well, snap, because I was going to say since it's a wrist injury, he can be physically active. But since the heel was brought up, I think that we have calf. to calf, excuse me. Uh, I think that we might have to bring him on a little slower than I, I initially thought. So Ennis might get more run, which isn't a bad thing because Ennis can be a very valuable player. Um, since since the lower leg injury, I think that the Blazers will have to put him on a minutes limit. And, you know, Terry Soth isn't the best at keeping those minutes limits. So an assistant coach really has to be on him about, okay, this is when he has to come out right now and do it because his his long-term health is going to be a huge factor in this year and possibly in later years if we decide that he is going to be the starting center of the future. So keeping him on that minutes limit is going to be huge. So um, I think Ennis is going to still ha- be really viable for the next few, few days until Nurk is 100% and uh, past the minutes limit. I 100% agree with with all of that. Two things I will add. One, please temper your expectations. If the C.J. McCollum um, last week of basketball has shown anything, it's going to take a while for him to get to get back in in the groove. C.J. has looked subpar to, to be to put it nicely. He had one good game against the Mavericks. Otherwise, it's been pretty bad in terms of the shot selection, getting his rhythm, taking the same shots he used to take last year instead of those threes. Hopefully CJ can kind of kick that funk and get back to where he was pre-injury. 
But again, with limited practice time, they have to use the game time to kind of get into game shape and get into a game rhythm. So CJ is probably another week or two from starting to show what he was doing. Nurk was having a really bad season to, to be, to put it brunt. Let's give him some time. And knowing that I would continue to start Ennis Cantor, and here's why. One, I think you want to build Nurk's confidence up. And I think you're not going to do that going up against starting caliber centers. I think if you can get him some opportunities to score against backup bigs, to get some rebounds, you start building that confidence, not only in his skill set but in his body. Another point is we could really have Dame, CJ, Powell, and Covington as, as our starting four. If we bring Nurk back, I fear that we're going to try to force feed him the ball or to get him, you know, going. And that's not the time to do it when you have those many options. We don't need Dame to be passive. We don't need to be passing up opportunities for Norman Powell to be shooting threes, Covington to be shooting threes, or CJ to get going. Like we already are trying to get CJ going. I think that just becomes kind of a disaster if we're trying to now get, okay, now we got to get Nurk going. Um, I know you want to get that group some rhythm, but until Nurk shows some signs of getting into rhythm, I would let Ennis continue to be the starter. He's really the perfect starter right now because you don't need to run hardly any place for him. Elite offensive rebounder, great finisher, sets amazing screens, and he he doesn't command the ball. Um, he can help you without the ball in his hands. Nurkic, I would argue, is better with the ball in his hands as a distributor or working on the block. I would give Nurk a couple of weeks coming off the bench, let him get mentally and physically just, just back into NBA NBA game, just ready. So th- that's my take on, on the Nurkic situation. Because we can use this, this run to stretch him out for the postseason. So if we can, you know, give him time to have those small successes, it's going to lead to a bigger set of successes. I mean, talking with you and, thinking about all the times I've watched Toronto, I'm really happy about Norman Powell. I would really hope that we can, we can keep him. I know he's going to get paid a lot, but you know, Gary Trent was going to get paid a lot with LeBron James and clutch management managing him. So either way, the guard that we we had and have are going to get paid. And I, I think that the potential of a Norman Powell, CJ McCollum and Dame backcourt, could be very deadly, especially in the playoffs. No one wants to. No one wants to defend those shoot, the shooters that we have currently. The key is going to be Nurkic, and I, I agree. I think Powell is going to be fantastic, but the key is Yusuf Nurkic. If he can get back into bubble beast form, where he's decision making from foul line extended, he's dunking off of the pick and roll, he's blocking shots into the third row. He just overall becomes that emotional presence that, that we need, especially on the defensive end. I know he was going through a lot of family issues, which I, I think is we all have been. So you can kind of explain that's why he he came to Portland to start the season and he didn't look like himself. It's it's a big year for Nurkic because he's going to be on an expiring contract next year. And, and you know the Blazers, they're they're not going to want to commit a lot of money to someone who they can't count on. So if Nurkic can have a healthy run, lead us into good playoff shape, show that that, that bubble beast wasn't a fluke, if he can replicate that, I think that that's a win for Nurk. That's a win for Portland. That's a win for the fans. So it's there's so many things. Like I think Portland is like they're a rock that that's teetering. 
and you don't know whether it's going to implode or it's going to, you know, fall into greener pastures because this franchise has so many short-term deals that it's kind of my, I don't like thinking about it too much because it's, it's a lot. And if it doesn't go our way this year, I think you're going to see massive change. And I don't necessarily know. And, and change can be good. It can be bad, but change is risky. And that's why I would like to see the Blazers handle business. I, I think the Powell trade helps them get in that right direction. I think the buyout market can be beneficial to us, similar as it was in 2019 when we added NS Cancer. And who could have envisioned the impact that he would have had basically willing us to the, the Western Conference Finals. So if we get any sort of production like that, big W's there. But Sage, I want to also discuss other moves that other teams made, other moves that maybe the Blazers didn't make. Uh, let's kind of go a little bit quick on some of these rapid fires. Aaron Gordon, uh, the Denver Nuggets get him for RJ Hampton, a first round pick, and Gary Harris. I know we discussed this on the podcast last week. You you weren't super high on him after seeing the package that Orlando received from him. Are you upset the Blazers didn't get him? And how do you think he impacts the Denver Nuggets? I think he impacts the Denver Nuggets a lot, man. They were giving, you know, the corpse of Paul Millsap major run. So to replace Millsap or uh, Green with Aaron Gordon is pretty huge as far as a improvement. And they have Jokic um, to give him the ball. The like ball. Jokic is probably yeah. the best passer in the league. Yeah. So, and then they got some really good passing guards. So they're gonna find Aaron Gordon. And he's gonna look really good in this this scheme. Um, and Javale McGee as the backup center, I think he deserves his minutes too. So going from Hartenstein to Javale is going to be a huge improvement with, you know, the the end of the Nuggets. So they improved a lot. That's what Denver needed. They they were feeling the losses of Mason Plumley and Jeremy Grant. They go out and get Aaron Gordon, who, who's not as good as Jeremy Grant, but they got JaVale McGee, who does a lot of things that Mason Plumley can do. Again, yeah, you're not playing Hartenstein. You're not having to play Jokic. Just incredible minutes. Uh, if Denver can find any sort of production from the shooting guard position, uh, they they definitely improved themselves. So I I I think they're they're pretty big winners. I was I wasn't super high on RJ Hampton. Um, only giving a first round pick. I think Portland could have beat the offer, but knowing we already gave up two first round picks for Covington, adding another one, that's the right player. Yes. That's a lot of dry. I wouldn't have been upset, but I would, I would have been pretty hesitant as well. It sucks more that he went to a division rival, but Aaron Gordon wasn't the end all be all for me. Honestly, I was I kind of had my heart set on Lowry Markkinen because I thought he could have been a, a starter day one, move Covington to the three. Yes, you have to sign him, but he's a restricted free agent like Gary. I think he would have fit like a glove in, in Terry's system, uh, just that, that sweet shooting stretch big. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you, you talked about Lowry Markkinen. How do you think Luce and Lowry will uh, play? Since teams play both sides of the floor, I think offensively, Zach Levine, Lowry, and Boos are going to be perfect. Defensively, that could be a nightmare. It could be a a nightmare. And that that, those were the reports coming out when they acquired Vucevic that 
They don't want to play Vucevic and Markkanen together. You need somebody defensive-minded to play to play with Vucevic. He's not really a defensive stalwart. And then you throw in Markkanen, who, who again, I know he's not known for his defense, but we, we need three-point shooters as well. Yeah, yeah, Thad Young can't defend them all. Who, honestly, I wouldn't have been mad if we traded for, because he's been really fantastic this year. But, you know, like, Zach Levine, I thought, was just a chucker. But have you looked at Zach Levine's stats offensively? He's I've watched him play it. against us. He's he's a good player. Yeah, like, you know, he's, he's really improved. I think Vuce and he, as a pick-and-roll threat, it's going to be really awesome. It's just, how are they going to stop any opposing big that's a lot of non-defenders on that team with Zach, Kobe, Lowry, and Moose. Yikes. I, I think they're going to be a fun team, though. I really do think they're going to be a fun team. Um, what did you think about Orlando? Oh. Oh, yeah. I was going to say I mentioned Orlando. I like the return that they got for Vucevic, getting two first-round picks. That That's a good haul. Um, Vuce wasn't. He was a great player for them, but he really he was holding them back from actually just being shitty. And they they need to be shitty to get into the top half of of that lottery. Um, I think it's a a wait and see grade from from Chicago. That that's that's a lot to get boosts. But yes, they are trying to win, so I give them credit for, for that. He's nearing thirty years old, or or right at at thirty. But for Orlando. Um, I like getting off Fournier's deal. You acquire, uh, I believe, a trade exception and a couple of of second-round picks. I think Wendell Carter has a chance. Um, Again, I don't love the return they got for Aaron Gordon. Again, you could have had two first-round picks and Trevor Reese's contract for Aaron Gordon in the offseason. So I think Orlando did okay, but Orlando is the type of team that they always sell too late. They don't know when to sell. They have visions of grandeur that they're going to make it this year, and they don't realize their players aren't fucking good enough. I mean, their their most coveted assets in, internally to Orlando are an injured Markel Fultz and an injured John Isaac. I, I honestly I feel bad for that franchise. I'm glad they finally got some draft capital but they need to get somebody in there who can actually make some fucking picks because they, they have blown lottery pick after lottery pick after lottery pick. The one solace for them, there's a direction. Let's fucking suck and let's do something in, in the lottery. Like being the, the sacrificial lamb to the Brooklyn Nets or the LeBron Cavs or the Raptors with Kawhi, that, that's, that's not it. You know, let, let's pick a direction to go. So for that, yeah, for, for that, I, I give them credit. Is there any other team that you saw as a winner or a significant loser at the deadline stage? So I, I think the uh, Dallas Mavericks getting JJ is going to be huge for them. I think they really miss Seth Curry. So to get a which shooter we both like called, that, which we yeah. both called. So, at, yeah, to, to, the, for the, them to the improve like that is, is huge. Um, I was going to say the Boston Celtics are a winner until they traded Daniel Thice. I think getting getting uh, Evan Fournier is a dub. It's not that much capital. I think that was a dub. But trading away, I, they needed to cut salary. I don't think that that was the smartest use of cutting salary, getting rid of Thice, because he's like a plus 12. Like, he's actually a good basketball player. It's a good basketball player. It's a good pickup for Chicago. If you're looking for defense, that's a, that's a decent defender. Yeah, I, I tweeted this out earlier, man. Like, regardless of what you feel about Neil Olshay or Terry Stotts or, or the trade we made today, 
we're not the Celtics and we're not the Houston Rockets. The Celtics had this war chest of assets and they're a 500 basketball team with no super bright future. Yes, they've got two young, good players. I wouldn't say their future is as bright as it should have been. I mean, talk about a team that doesn't know when to, um, we talk about Orlando when they don't know when to sell. Boston has no freaking clue of when to buy. They have passed up on superstar after superstar holding on to these picks. So it'll be interesting to see what the Thunder do because they've got like 37 draft picks over the next seven years. So I'm thankful we're not in the Celtics camp. My biggest loser, of course, the Houston Rockets. I mean, that that franchise, they need to remove uh, Tillman Ferretta from, from ownership. He has no goddamn clue what he's doing. Uh, his penny-pitching tightwad ass is really screwing over that entire franchise. They had a chance to actually get Jarrett Allen and Karis LeVert in that, in that, in that Harden deal. They decided, no, we're going to send Allen away and we're going to send LeVert to Indiana for Victor Oladipo. And then they, with, with no intentions of re-signing Oladipo. And they get back a pick swap in 2022, which they're not going to convey because they're going to be worse than the Heat. Kelly Olynyk and Avery Bradley. Sage, if, you know, the Harden trade was bad enough, they did not get a good return for that. I would be, you know, borderline perplexed if I'm a Houston fan. Like, this is, and now you're going to probably buy out John Wall. Poor Steven Silas. I mean, you see how poor, yeah, fucked up I mean, he is about those losses? We we saw we saw that coming though. You know, with this hardened debacle, like you do not. I know this is your first job, and you're excited to stay away, stay away from the Houston Rockets. Like they are lava. They, they are a massive loser on this deadline day, and ultimately, I would say the Heat. That's a nice dub. You were already favorites of landing Victor Oladipo, but now you get his bird rights, and you give up two players who aren't really playing. You also acquired Trevor Ariza for for Myers Leonard. You have room on the buyout market to bring in a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, yes, they weren't able to get the Kyle Lowry deal done, but they're, they're, they're looking like a formidable opponent out east, you know, to possibly defend their, their conference title. So, you know, I really loved what, what the Heat did. You know, like the Lakers, I think, took an L too, because if THT is the reason that you don't make the trade for Kyle Lowry, I think you have a That's weird. That's asinine. Yeah. You, yeah, you make that that's... trade for Kyle Lowry regardless. You're trying to win now. THT, he has a chance to be a starting shooting guard, but... He's an okay player, Sage. Yeah. I I have never once watched Taylor Horton Tucker and be like, wow, that's a guy we need on our team. He is a run-of-the-mill NBA player. Like, I, I know he gets hyped up by NBA media just like Kyle Kuzma used to do because he wears the purple and gold, but it looks like, yeah, I mean, come on, like Kyle fucking Lowry, that dude is a winner. You can't tell me that Kyle Lowry, AD, and LeBron James aren't the favorites to win the chip. They, they would have been. Um, another, I thought, I thought the Clippers took a loss too. I, I know they needed a point guard, but getting an aging Rajon Rondo and trading away one of your best bucket getters and Lou will, I know he wasn't having the best season, but if, if I'm playing the Clippers as, as a blazer fan, Rondo's not scaring me anymore. Lou Williams had the ability to go off for 30 and, and just give us absolute fits and to have that shooting alongside George and Leonard, 
now the floor starts to tighten up a bit and you're like, yeah, Nick Batum, go ahead and shoot. Yeah, Rajon, yeah, Bev, go, go shoot the ball. Like, I think the Clippers, they, they really handcuffed themselves into a lot of the moves they made, getting Marcus Morris, getting Luke Kennard. They had no draft capital trading for Paul George. Like, this is win or go home for them. So I thought a team that really had a lot of pressure on them kind of made a panic trade and, and did it in a bad way. I, I would say that there are guards that have this chemistry with their bigs. Um, Lou Williams and Montrez Harold had that connection that made Lou Williams and Montrez a elite uh, pick and roll combo. Without Montrez, Lou Williams is having a tough year. And, you know, uh, if you look at the Hornets, Devontae Graham is taking L's when Cody Zeller isn't there. I think there's a thing with, you know, the the chemistry that you get with, with your big. And I think that is a big reason why Lou is having a bad year. But I, I, I imagine that he'll, be, that he'll be happy being home. And I think that playing at the with the Atlanta Hawks might be a very good uh, place for him to play. I know that they're a very slow team now because of Nate and really defensive oriented. So it's going to be interesting to see Lou Williams and Trey Young play together. But what was one move today that the Blazers didn't make that you're like, I wish they would have got that done. Not necessarily maybe trading for a player, but looking at our roster and where it's at, is there anything you're like, ah, Neil, why didn't you do this? The Aaron Gordon, I think the B Jelly trade would have helped us out a lot too, just having another big that's different than NS and Nurkic, a guy that's a spacer would have been nice just as you know a playoff play. Uh, play. But it, there wasn't any that were like, oh, no, we should have done that. Norman's going to help the team. And I, I I want to make sure Nasir gets as many minutes as humanly possible as the second in that second unit. For me, it was Zach Collins. I thought this was an oh, opportunity to get, something, to get something for him at the deadline. I would have attached a draft pick to Zach, not just to get rid of his contract. That That's not what I'm saying, because you can just let him walk. I'm saying if if there was an opportunity to go after a player like Alonzo ball or Lowry marketing and you're, you're, you're attaching Zach's contract plus a pick to get someone like that. Um, I thought that was a big miss because again, the team is seems tied to Covington and Nurkic. Those are your starting forwards or starting uh, post players. You have Carmelo Anthony again, who we've talked about. You're welcoming him back if he wants to come back next year and you've got NS Cantor, who's the best backup big in the game. Like LaMarcus Aldridge, where in the heck does Zach Collins fit on this roster? And I, I, I'm not loving the idea of us, one, not getting anything for him and just letting him walk. But I also don't want to sign him for a, a $7 million qualifying offer. So I, I thought that was, you know, if we if we are going to give credit for Neil Olshay showing self-awareness with Gary Trent Jr. and his future with the team, I think we also need to really criticize him for the lack of self-awareness in Zach Collins. You've talked about this so many times. We're just going to keep kicking the can and keep kicking the can and kicking the can with Zach Collins, much like we did Myers Leonard, not knowing when it was time to just move on. Um, Yeah. Neil could have done himself a huge favor by just huge favor. Yeah. Uh, You know, it is what it is, man. Uh, 
I'm 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 very excited for Norman Powell. I'm really curious on when he can come to Portland. I mean, speaking of Norm, Norman Powell coming to Portland and all the all of these trades, how strange is this Florida trip turned into? We play the Miami Heat tonight, who made a trade for Victor Oladipo. Um, we play the uh, the Orlando Magic the, the next night, and they basically gutted their entire team. And then guess who we play on Sunday? The Toronto Raptors. So it's going to be a lot of new faces in new places. It's going to be rough on you for DFS, I can assume, uh, not knowing who's going to be in and out of the lineup. I made a humongous mistake. Uh, yesterday I said I'm winning a GPP on my birthday. I lost quite a bit of money on that day. Um, <laughs> I, I, I am going to limit myself today and tomorrow. Um, I'm only doing six lineups because, you know, you got to always have, send a few bullets. Maybe I get lucky type of thing. But yeah, the, the ro- it, it, it's going to be difficult to calculate rotations for the next few days until all these trades go through and you can go and those players can go to their team. Oh, I have a feeling that we're going to be doing this podcast again on the buyout market. Yeah, for sure. And I think this is where you really, and I hope he's okay because I, I think you can tell after landing awkwardly on his knee a Friday night against the Mavericks, Dame really hasn't been the same, but if Dame is, is starting to heal up, I, I think this is where you really lean on Dame and CJ to lead your, your franchise over this next week while you get players acclimated, new players um, added, buyout players added, you know, really lean on your star players to, to get these. These are all winnable games coming up now, Sage, and we're, we're dangerously close to being in that playoff or play in for the playoffs. So that's where I would really lean in on, on our starting backcourt to get us, get us some wins over this next stretch of games. But before we sign off, Sage, we do have a couple of uh, fan questions that I wanted to touch on. So the first is from Dana Ramoni on Twitter. Wants to know, is Norman Powell a better defender than Gary Trent? The Blazers have enough offense. I think that Norman Powell is a really good team defender. He was a major factor on some really good defenses in the last few years. He has an enormous wingspan. I don't know if he's as good of a on-ball defender as Gary because I haven't watched as much Toronto as I have Portland, but I think that he is a good defender. Yeah, I would say playing in a system like Toronto where they actually know how to play defense will only benefit him in, in Portland. And, you know, Gary tries on defense. He's just, he's not there yet. And that's a, not a knock on him. He's, he's a young player. He's only in his second real season. Yeah. You can say he's a third year pro, but this is really just his second year of actually playing basketball. You know, Norman Powell's been through the thick of an NBA championship run. He's played alongside some great defenders. I'm really excited to see him play alongside of Yusuf Nurkic, Robert Covington, and Derek Jones. Uh, you just need more players who are active in the passing lanes, physical bodies. And when you say the Blazers don't have, or when you say also the Blazers have enough offense, I would say you can still never have enough offense. Like the, the Blazers have given away games because they're not able to generate free throw attempts, get into the paint. You know, we saw against Brooklyn where we shot 50 plus three pointers and couldn't throw it in the ocean. That's why we lost the game. You get a guy like Norman Powell who's going to be, okay, I'm going to take it to the rack. I'm going to force the officials to get me to the free throw line. You only lose by four, four, four points that, that night. I think Norman Powell would have made a difference in, in that game. He's just better at getting to the line. So 
you can always improve your offense and your diversity in which you're able to score. So I think that was um, a good move there. And then lastly, from longtime listener, Kim Thrasher, I think a lot of uh, this is going on in, in Rip City at the moment, but she wants to know, Sage, how do you mend a broken heart? A lot of fans are um, you know, getting emotional after losing a, really a huge fan favorite in Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. Like, what, what is your advice? I've, I've got some thoughts, but what is your advice? I'm ready to get into the deep embrace of a 6'11 wingspan uh, shooting guard who shoots really well from three and can drive it eight times a game in a Norman Powell. I know it sucks that Gary Trent's traded, but I'm excited about Norman Powell. Um, Give him a chance. I think that a lot of people are going to enjoy having him on the team. And just think, we don't get easy buckets. Norman Powell can get us easy buckets. I'm really excited about this trade. For me, I'm probably pretty jaded. Uh, I've been through the ringer in terms of Blazers fandom, and I know Kim has uh, as well. She is a, she is a, a a diehard lifelong fan. For me, you know, seeing Clyde Drexler move on on Valentine's Day to the Houston Rockets w- was really tough. You know, you fast forward, see us losing Brian Grant after that that tremendous run in 2000. Seeing at the time my favorite player, Sebastian Telfair, moved. Yes, I know we ended up getting Brandon Roy, and that was fantastic, but I was an emotional attachment to, or I had a huge emotional attachment to Sebastian Telfair, you know, a player that we drafted in the lottery and I thought was going to just, you know, change the face of this franchise and just be that point guard we, we've always wanted. Um, and what really was the straw that broke my back was, was Travis Outlaw. Like he was my absolute favorite player on that team more so than Brandon, more so than LaMarcus. Like he was so just free-spirited and lighthearted. I was able to meet him a couple of times um, working with the team and as a season ticket holder. Um, I, I just, I loved the relationship he had with, with, with the group. And then when we moved him at the deadline for Marcus Canby, like that crushed me. So ever since that moment, I've stopped having, you know, personal attachments to players and just focused on, the front of the jersey rather than the back of the jersey. I can honestly say that right now the only player that would kind of get me in the feels if we traded was Damian Lillard. I mean, he's just been a transcendent player. I want him to retire as a Blazer. I want him to go down as the greatest Blazer of all time. Like he's the only player that like I have an emotional attachment to. It's why I talk about winning the spring for Dame, like doing it for him because he puts so much into this. I'm not saying the other players don't, but like he goes the extra mile, like as a superstar to treat the first player, like the last player and the last player, like the first player, he embraces the fans. He embraces the community. Uh, he loves being here. Like he loves the grind. Uh, there's just so much to love about Dame. So Dame's the one. And I think with everybody, and I don't think that's uh, an outlier that, that I'm emotionally attached to, but like after just getting my heart broken so much, I had to start just thinking about what's best for the team. And, you know, I definitely like a lot of the players, but I guess, yeah, I just kind of got a little cold and was like, I like it, but I'm not going to get emotionally attached to you. Um, I think it's also why I don't buy jerseys of role players either, just because I, I know they're, they're going to, they're going to go. So I, I try to stick to either the the Dame or, or go, go retro. Cause I definitely flirted with, you know, DJ or Cove or even this year little, but like, they can be gone in the, in the bat of an eye. And it's, you know, if it's going to be a retro, I want it to be a retro of like a former 
you know, just player I have so many fond memories of, like a, a Cliff Robinson, a, a Duckworth, a Kersey, Drexler. Like, I don't know if those players are at that level for me yet. So I think it's also like a, a wait and see. Maybe if they played longer in Portland, I would have gotten more attached. But I think seeing the 2019 kind of dismantle due to salary cap reasons, you know, we really only have Dame, CJ, Ant, Nurk, and Ennis from that team. And really only Dame, CJ, and Nurk played during that run. So, you know, you see a lot of change in today's NBA. I think that's also another reason that like, guys just don't stay. Yeah, guys don't stay around as long. So, you know, I think just how I would mend my broken heart if I were you, Kim. I'm just watching Gary Trent Jr. highlights. Think of the good times and think of how great of an opportunity this is for him personally to show out in Toronto to play for a great organization. And I think just know that it's a better fit for him in Toronto than Portland. Like I wouldn't want him to have been unhappy here, not able to really play alongside Dame and CJ. And, you know, I think we, we ripped the bandaid off sooner rather than later, because I, I don't know if he would have ever been a long-term fit uh, unless you're trading CJ. And I think that's the thing is like, we have CJ McCollum. I don't think he's going anywhere. So I think it's a great story that we got Gary as a second round pick and he played his way into damn near 15 to $20 million player. So, you know, salute to Gary. Like he's always going to get a standing ovation when he comes back to, to rip city and maybe our paths will cross down the road again, but I also look look for the future and you know can this i think we'll really like norman powell like again I, I raptors fans have been saying so many great things about him too um i think it's just one it, it's it's just one of those rare yeah it's just one of those rare win-win trades for both teams like i can't help but be happy for for gary but i can't also help but be excited for a player who i think fits our timeline a little bit better now maybe that comes back to my affinity for Dame and just doing this for Dame. Like this is a better move for Dame. So that's how I kind of got over it. There's nothing wrong with, you know, having a glass of wine and, and cheers in GT. He's been a really real one. I'm going to miss him. And I hope he does fantastic. Like he's, I'll always, I'll always continue to root for him. Like he's kind of like in that Wesley Matthews group for me. Like there are some blazers who, they move on and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, um, I don't hate you, but I don't like necessarily like love you. Gary's going to be like, I'm going to really miss Gary and we'll actively root for him the rest of his career. Same with hoodie. It's absolutely same with hoodie. Cannot forget, cannot forget that playoff run. Uh, I still remember watching game three with my parents and Olga in the stadium, him hitting that shot, man one of the best moments of my blazer fandom and then just just watching him gut out that performance in the a nugget series dominating jamal murray forcing murray to go to the bench because he couldn't handle him in the post um i think unfortunately once he went down with the achilles i i lost i, I knew it was only a matter of time before hood wasn't going to be on the team and that that sucks but at least having that year plus to process that made it much easier to understand that he's he's going to get moved but I, i'm glad we gave him that 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 raise and you know i hope he plays himself into another contract absolutely all right um that has been part one of a probably a two podcast day so thank you so much for listening we are available on itunes stitcher himalaya podcast uh dash radio nothing but net radio tuesdays two to three 
uh, Pacific, 4 to 5 Eastern, and we are out of here. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Hoodie. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!